Well, I invite you to take the word, take the word of the Lord, and open it to John chapter one. John chapter one, verse four and five is our text for this morning, as we continue uh, to look at John's prologue and the beginning of this gospel, as we focus upon. Christ our Savior coming to this world for us. John chapter 1. I'd like to ask that you would stand out of reverence for God's Word if you are able as it is read this morning. Our text is verse 4 and 5. We'll step back and catch verse 1 and following. So John chapter 1 beginning in verse number 1. Let us hear the words of the one who created all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, thank you for speaking truth to us. Thank you this morning that we can open and read the very words of God Almighty. We thank you for your truth. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, would you help our love of our Savior to grow this morning because of who he is and as we consider that. Father, we pray that you would stir our hearts with your word through your Holy Spirit. Without your spirit, all things are for naught and so we humbly come asking for your blessings on your word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. If we think back for just a moment to the Old Testament and the book of Job, uh, Job is truly an amazing book in the Old Testament. One of the things that is somewhat unique about the book of Job are those first two chapters of this book where we get to see behind the scenes footage, if you will, of what is taking place. We're told of a conversation that you'll recall that Satan and God had where Satan appeared, he came before God, and God asked Satan if he had considered his servant Job. And you will remember Satan's answer. He basically said that Job worships God because God has placed a hedge of protection around him and that God has blessed Job with many possessions. And so God allows Satan to bring calamity against Job. And as the story progresses uh, throughout the book, the reader is in a position of not knowing something Job and his friends did not know. We know the background of the story. We know that conversation that Satan had with God and how that progressed throughout the story. And so the reader of the book is in a privileged position of knowing this truth. 
We're given the clue as to why things unraveled as they did, even which amazes me that Job didn't know and wasn't informed of in this life until uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And thus, we're able to learn in the book of Job what God would have us to learn because we're told of this uh, truth beforehand. And something very similar to that is happening in the prologue of the Gospel of John. In these first verses, verse 1 to 5, we're told something at the time that neither the Pharisees nor even Jesus' followers were aware of, that Jesus is the pre-incarnate Word of God. We're told clearly who this Jesus is before we even jump into the account that John is going to begin in this great book. That the God who is there, Jesus before them in the flesh, is eternal. He is distinct. He is the Word, as we saw last time from verse 1 to 3, that Jesus is eternal. He is distinct and He is Creator. These truths are going to help the reader of John's Gospel to rightly understand who Jesus is, that He is Lord and that He is our Savior. These opening verses are very important. They uh, tip the hat or tip the hat to the readers of who Jesus is and that everyone should believe in him. As Adam pointed out last week in chapter 20, verse number 31, John tells us the purpose statement or the reason why he has written this book. I love it when the New Testament authors do that. They say, look, here's why I'm writing this book. And John says he has written, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the aim of this book is to do that so that its readers will see who Jesus is, see who he truly is, this man that walked the earth, that they will believe in him, have faith in Jesus, and so have life. And today we have two more things to see about Jesus before jumping in next week to verse number six and following where we kind of come back on the scene, as it were, to John the Baptist and how the ministry of Jesus is going to take off. In these first five verses, we've been really stepping back, looking at creation and who this Jesus is and knowing the might and the power of Christ. And so two more things we see this morning, two more grand, breathtaking, important truths that will help us understand who Jesus is and why we should believe in him. My, my aim for this message and from these verses is that you would love Jesus more, that you would be more amazed just as we consider these two verses of who Jesus is, and that by loving him, cherishing him, that that would bring change and joy into our lives and into the present. So first off, we see Jesus is life and light. Jesus is life and light. We see this truth in verse number four. Very simply but very profoundly, John states, in him was life. 
And we stop for just a moment and we ask, well, who is the him referring to? Right? This is, one, this is a t-ball. This is an easy question coming at you. In him, the context is referring to the word, right? In the word is life. Who's the word referring to? We've seen it was referring to Jesus. John is speaking of Jesus. So he's saying Jesus is the life. And that little statement is jammed full of meaning and truth. First, two things to see about it. It teaches us that Jesus is the source of life. Okay, so first off, two little things we see, two big things, but two things we see in verse 4 is the source. Jesus is the source of life. Again, John is taking us all the way back to creation in these first five verses. He's speaking about the coming Christ, but he says, I want you to know this about Jesus, of who he is, that he is creator. Life has come through him. Jesus has always been present along with the Holy Spirit in creation. And here, verse number four, we see Jesus is the source of life. Let's think about that for just a moment. Every living thing that is came from Jesus. Every living thing that is, everything, came from Jesus. Of course, there is a big difference that Christians have uh, with the theory of evolution and atheistic worldview, which teaches that things began with matter and energy, that those things were just there and then life came about through time and life came about through chance. But the Bible teaches that first it was Jesus and then came life. Then came everything that was created. First life, then physical matter and energy after Jesus. You see, Jesus is life. He is the source of life, both physical and spiritual. And the whole universe, consider just this morning, the whole universe falls under the category created, created, everything, absolutely everything has been created. But before that was Jesus. Before that was our Savior. God is eternal. God has no beginning point. There was never a time when God was not. It's so hard to wrap our minds around that truth. At least it is for me, even as a kid. And now I'm kind of coming back full circle when my kids ask me, where did God come from? Right? And you're laying in bed and, oh boy, where did God come from? Well, God didn't come from anywhere. He didn't come from anywhere. He always has been. He never was created. There's no higher power over God. Nothing stands above God. Nothing has ever given anything to God. No, God is the one who gives to everything. God never has, God never will need to depend on anything, right? Anything in the universe to help him remain God. Jesus is the source of life and Jesus always has been. In him was life. Just with this truth this week of just having this in my mind, I've been looking at things differently this week. 
just looking at stuff and considering this truth. Walking around in the yard, seeing a squirrel, walking around. Life, life came from Jesus. Seeing deer, running around, children, kids, my wife, just things, just looking at them and considering that life came from Jesus. All of life comes from him. And really the application of this truth of Jesus and this word saying in him was life is just for us to be amazed and stand in wonder and awe of the reality of the power and the might of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Realize afresh, brothers and sisters, just how amazing Jesus is how truly spectacular it is that we can know him, that he has come, that he calls us by name, that we are a part of his people. As you continue to read the Gospel of John, you'll find that Jesus is not only spoken of in this book as creator, he's also spoken of as the giver of spiritual life. He's created all things, all physical things come from him. Everything that has been created, Christ was there before it all. He's the source of life, but he's also the source of spiritual life. Think of chapter 3 with Nicodemus. You must be born again, and this is something only Jesus can do he is the giver of spiritual life and that leads us right into the second thing Jesus is a source but we also see here the effect we see the effect the effect of life being in Jesus of that being true is that it brings about light it brings about light the second part of verse number four says in him was life and the life was the light of men Jesus, the life, that is Jesus, was the light of men. This is a little more specific statement, right, than just Jesus uh, is life. He was the life. The one who gives life is also the one who brings about light, and specifically light for us, light for men, light for women. Now, physical light being linked to God is a biblical concept, right? We could look at many passages of physical light being linked to God. In the Old Testament, we read how God dwells in unapproachable light. When Jesus was trans- transfigured before uh, some of his disciples, he was visibly bright, right? We see his deity and power. That's also incorporated into the thought of John here, but I think mainly he's speaking about the light of salvation that Jesus brings to us. The light of salvation that comes to us. The life brings about light. Spiritual life. Spiritual light. And the life and the light that Jesus brings is for salvation. It's for salvation for fallen mankind. Now, when we think about that for just a minute, he brings us life. The life and the light that Jesus brings is not speaking about forever extending our physical life on this earth. Right? Jesus is not coming saying, in him's life, the life was the light of men, that, that means that you are not going to physically die. 
That, that is not what is stated here when it says that in him was life. In the account of Lazarus, when he had been in the tomb for four days, Jesus finally came to Mary and to Martha. You'll remember these words. Remember, uh, listen to these words as I read them, John eleven twenty one to 26. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, and there it is, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, Jesus, as he came to this earth, is the giver of eternal life. Jesus is the giver of life after death. Do you notice how Jesus stated it there in this verse? He didn't just say, I bring about uh, the resurrection. There'll be a future time when I will raise you from the dead. That is true. But Jesus stated it kind of like he does in uh, John 1, verse number 4. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. You see, he is the source of those things. And Jesus' is coming has come to bring about that life and that light to us. We will physically die, but if we have Jesus, we will live. Do you likewise believe this, the words of Jesus? Jesus is the giver of life, and that life brings about light in our lives, light to us. In John 6, 35, you see, with the prologue, Jesus speaks here about life, speaks about light, and then you read the Gospel of John and these themes of darkness that we'll get to in just a moment, they're all throughout the book. And so I'll constrain myself. One, one more thing here from John uh, chapter 6 as we see this concept just further brought out within the Gospel. In John 6 verse 35, Jesus will state, I am the bread of life Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And later Jesus says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. How appropriate it is for us to consider this today, even as we'll be taking communion in just a few moments. We come to Jesus in faith, right? We're saved by faith in what he's done for us, and an outward sign of that reality uh, of Jesus saving us inwardly. And listen, I'm going to read a few more verses here in, in chapter 6. Listen for the word life. Listen for this word life and how Jesus is the giver. He's the giver of life, eternal life, life after death. Listen to what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus is the source and the giver of life to us. And that is something that we should celebrate this morning. If we have Jesus, if we're trusting in him, this is who he is. He is the giver of life. He's the giver of light to us. If we have Jesus, we have eternal life. If we have Jesus, though we die, yet shall we live. John 6, continuing on, where else, where else can we go? Peter says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? Jesus, you are our Savior. So our hope is in the life that Jesus gives to us, right? And we know, we don't have time, I've said that a bunch, but we're, we're going to move on. But we know that Jesus is not just the giver of eternal life. He's the giver of life and life to the full here in this life, John 10, 10. He's come that we may have life and live in abundance. We know that he's going to continue on in this great gospel and he's speaking about abiding in him and having life through nourishment of being in Christ. And so Jesus gives us life not only for the future eternal life, he gives us life here and now in this life. He's the source of light, and the effect is to bring about light and the light of salvation to all men. And so Jesus, he is the life and he is the light that has come for us. Second thing for us to see is Jesus is light in darkness. Verse number five. Jesus is light in darkness. Look at verse number five with me. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, two truths we see about the light in these verses. First off is the presence of the light. The presence of the light. We see here it states, the light shines in the darkness. The light shines, it is shining in the darkness. Referring to Jesus, of course, the truth that he brings, the salvation that he brings, the spiritual life that Jesus brings to this world. John's gospel again uh, opens up this uh, uh, thought and he will continue to explain it throughout the rest of this gospel. One of the greatest images that we celebrate during Christmas is this concept of Jesus coming as light to darkness. Darkness uh, represents the sin of the world, fallen humanity, sin both in the world and in our lives. And light is not simply the opposite of darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. 
And in John's gospel here, we're going to see that uh, darkness is evil. Darkness is sin. Darkness is a rejection of God and of Christ. So that in John 12, 35, it says this, Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. Both this uh, world and we ourselves are in darkness. The Bible is very clear that we are born in a state of sin. We, as bo- we are born as children of the dark, not the light. Spiritually, God's word is very clear. We are dead. Spiritually, we are blind, unable to see, unable to respond to God, unable to hear God, positively inclined towards evil freely of our own free choices we choose to sin and we sin because we're sinners we walk in darkness because we are children of the dark that is our state before coming to Christ and that is the state of this world apart from Christ people are spiritually blind spiritually in darkness Matthew 13 13 says seeing they do not see. It's a spiritual darkness on our eyes. And it's into this reality that verse 5 speaks to us. The light, Jesus, the light has come into our darkness. He's come into the darkness. Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who dwelt in a land of deep deep darkness, on them has light shone. Jesus has come as light, and Jesus shines. He shines in the darkness. Jesus and the truth that he brings, the life that Jesus brings, shines in the darkness of this world in the darkness of our own hearts. As the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing says, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. That is what we are celebrating in this season of Christmas. We're celebrating that fact, we're remembering that fact, and we're praising God for that fact that Jesus has come. He has come into darkness. He's come into our sin to bring life and to bring light to us. When you drive around, one of my favorite things about Christmas, there's all sorts of things I love about Christmas. One of the favorite things I love about Christmas are the Christmas lights, right? Remember, children, here this morning, as you, maybe you like the lights too, like many of us adults, that you drive around and you see uh, lights on people's houses. Maybe uh, you have a Christmas tree in your home. Remember Romans 14, 15? You're, you're free. You, don't come, you want to have a Christmas tree? Have a Christmas tree. You don't want to? You're free in Christ. You don't have to. We're not going to call you Scrooge. You're free in Christ. You don't have to have a Christmas tree. But if you do, look on that tree and you're probably going to see some lights And remember what it is we're celebrating, brothers and sisters. The light 
of Jesus Christ has come to us. The light has come into the darkness. The darkness of this world, Jesus comes, he brings life, he brings light to us. And it's beautiful what Christ has done. Even as you see those lights, think, think about what Jesus Christ has come to bring to us. He has shone into our darkness. What's our response to this truth of Jesus Christ coming as the light here and the light shining in the darkness? Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoice. Let us praise God that light has come. Isn't it so easy just to get caught up in the circumstances that are right in front of us and the things that we are facing whether those things are good, whether those things are bad, and just in the hustle bustle of life, especially in the hustle bustle of life in December here in the States, and as there's so much going on, I think God's word would call on us just to pause and to step back from that and consider just what has taken place, that the light and life of the world has come to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that this morning. In whatever circumstances you are in, we know from Scripture that in this world you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, you can count on it. Our praise of God isn't determined by our immediate circumstances being good or bad. Our praise of God should be determined upon the fact that Jesus has come to this earth and that never changes. Christ has come for us. Our praise of God should be determined by the fact that I once was blind, but now I see. Light has come. Salvation is here. Let that truth wash over you this morning. Let that truth sink into you and receive it afresh. Jesus has come. Life has come. Light has come for you. Receive him this day. That is what we are about at Redeeming Grace Baptist Church is praising God and confessing that we are sinners who need the light. As we speak about light, as we speak about darkness, as we speak about life, as we think about death, we're confessing that we are in need of salvation. That we have sinned against the holy God and that we need to be forgiven of our sin and the wages of sin is death. It's physical death and it's spiritual death apart from Christ. And so the gospel comes out to us today and it comes out to you today Will you confess that you are walking in darkness Will you confess that you are a sinner? And when you, will you see that Jesus Christ has come to save you from your sin and to die on the cross in your place? Receive and trust in the light today. So we see first here in verse number five the presence of the light, the presence of the light. And last thing we just see here is the power of the light, the power of the light. The light shines in the darkness, and look at that last phrase, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. 
Some of your translations there might have the darkness has not understood it or the darkness has not comprehended it. Others overcome it. So uh, this verb here could really be taken either way, kind of mentally here or physically. The, the thought is to seize, and is, is it saying to seize something with our mind to comprehend it, or is it saying to seize something as in to overcome or overtake something? And the reality is I think both of those concepts are at play here. I think he's being ambiguous on purpose here. The darkness does not understand the light. We're going to see that in verses 9 and 10. But also the darkness has not overcome the light. This truth is one that we need to hear and take comfort in this morning. Because doesn't it sometimes see that it looks as though the darkness is winning? Just sometimes from our eyes, from our own perspective, you look at the world around you and you look maybe events in your life and other people's life and you, you might seem to think the darkness is winning. It looks like the darkness is snuffing out the light. It seems like truth is, is, is being put to the side. It seems like the people of God are just being relegated off to the side or not trusted in, believed in. But listen, the kingdom of God is not like Star Wars. It's not like you have light and darkness that are battling out and you're not sure who's going to win. This is no equal fight. No, the light prevails. Sin and darkness are defeated, have been defeated, and will be defeated. Why? Because the light has come. The light has has broken into the darkness and the light is currently shining in the darkness and one day that light in the person of Jesus Christ is going to return to this and set up his kingdom forever. The gospel has broken forth. The light has come to this world. Listen to how Peter put it in 1 Peter 2 verse number 9. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. By the grace of God, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Will you rest in that truth today? Will you see and savor who Jesus is and what he has come to do for us? Will you celebrate that today? Will you focus upon that in this season? That our Savior is coming to save us. Will you confess together church that he is the life he is our light he is our salvation he is present the light is shining currently in the darkness and Jesus is mighty mighty to save he has overcome sin he has overcome death he has overcome Satan let us praise God for the Savior of the world who has come for us. We'll end with Isaiah 9 2. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we praise you today for who Jesus is. And Father, we praise you today for sending the light of Jesus Christ into the darkness of this world, into the darkness of our own sin. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate today through communion the coming of Jesus Christ as we remember your coming to this earth to save us from our sin. Father, would you help us to have confidence the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome the light. To have Jesus is to have life, and life to the full. It's in the name of Christ our Savior we pray, amen.